you always hear this phrase, learn from your failures. Yes, 100% learn from those tough days. We hear that all the time, but people generally don't tend to stop and pause and do that. But what also we tend to neglect to learn from our successes. This is Running For Real, the podcast for runners who know that for every runner's high, there are just as many lows. All those just missed PRs, easy runs that feel hard, injury blues, and more. Each week, we'll talk to running, health, and wellness experts about their highs, lows, and best advice to build our confidence. Running For Real is about being honest, being brave, and most of all, not feeling alone. And now here's our host, who loves ham and pineapple pizza, Tina Muir. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 121 of the Running For Real podcast. Thank you so much for being here. This is day four of Mental Training Week, and I told you a few days ago, one of my favorite podcasts ever was this week, and friends, it's today. But first, in case you somehow missed the rest of the episodes, in which case, go back and subscribe. This is Mental Training Week. I'm interviewing seven sports psychologists, motivational speakers, and performance coaches to have them give us their best strategies to work on the mental training during a build-up to a race as the race closes in, because we all know that's when our crazy really starts to come out. So far, you've listened to Damon West, Josh Liefrak, Ross Bernstein, and today I'm honored to bring you Justin Sewer, who works with the Cleveland Browns and the Tampa Bay Rays. Once again, I realize this is not our sport, but friends, Justin's advice is just what we need. Trust me. I feel like I could have talked to this guy for hours and you will soon see why. Before we get to the interview though, I'd like to give a major shout out to Body Health and Coros for sponsoring this episode. Body Health has been there with me through so much and it's an essential part of running well during a build-up to a race. Especially as you work through those mental demons, you know, you need to get your nutritional intake right to allow you to recover and allow you to be your best. We all know food sources are best if you can get them, but realistically, do we always get it right in? I know I don't. Body Health Perfect Amino will actually be absorbed better and faster than the food sources in proteins or foods that you might get. So you can rest easy until you get your meal, knowing you're being taken care of regardless of when you take it. Visit tinamuir.com forward slash aminos. That's T-I-N-A-M-U-I-R.com forward slash A-M-I-N-O-S to go get yourself 10% off and get whatever products you want from Body Health. Thank you to Coros for sponsoring this episode of the Running For Real podcast. I know there's one major player in the GPS industry for runners, and it feels like everyone and their mother has these watches, myself included. But after 15 years of only that, I've switched. And why? Because I absolutely love my Coros Apex watch. I wore it in the Boston Marathon, and I'll be wearing it in every run from now on. You can check my wrist. If you train in the pool, on the bike, it's going to be your dream watch. And I'll tell you more about it later in the show. But for now, go visit tinamuircom forward slash Coros to go check it out and receive a bonus watch band with your order. Justin, thank you so much for joining me on the Running For Real podcast. I am really excited to talk to you. And I know my listeners are, in addition to uh, your friend, Josh Liefrak, telling us how wonderful he thought you were. So now we have lots of reasons to be excited for this interview. But thank you for being here. I am so honored and excited to be with you and your listeners. And so thanks for having me. Oh, no, this is going to be great. So, you know, I mentioned a bit about you in the intro um, and I love uh, I mentioned to you before the uh, interview began that I love learning about psychology. I know my listeners do, particularly the area of performance psychology, which is kind of where you focus working with the Tampa Rays and the Cleveland Browns, which maybe aren't the sports that uh, my listeners are participating in. But I, I'd love to kind of get into it because you are very much about individuals and not kind of putting people under a blanket of the three best tips for confidence or the, you know, you like to treat the individual, which is very important because you see within your sports that you work with individual differences, but also within individuals themselves. But before we get to that, I want to start with you. Now, you had quite a few from reading about you, you had quite a few things go wrong or what people may consider failures in your early professional life. So maybe just to start us off, you could kind of share a few of those with the listeners to show them that, you know, you're not exempt from this, you're only human. And it's just kind of the way you, you turn those failures around is what really kind of sets you apart with your future. 
Yeah. And I, yeah, I, you hit on so many amazing things that we're going to get into in the future, but oh, I appreciate you asking that question because yeah, the journey to do what I'm doing has been overcoming. I had to overcome a lot of obstacles mm. to really get here. And, um, I remember I, I wanted to be a professional baseball player and I uh, went to college for it and I got injured. And once I recovered from the injury, just honestly, two things, I wasn't as good as I was before the injury, number one. And number two, my mindset, I just didn't love it as much, mm -hmm. but I knew I loved sports. And so then I went into broadcast journalism and uh, wanted to be a sports anchor on, on, on sports television and report on athletes. And realized after four years of studying for it, the first day of my internship, realized that this isn't for me. I don't want to interview athletes. I want to help athletes. And so I knew I had it in my heart and I felt like a failure uh, thinking, wait, what a waste of four years. Yeah. And so I went into teaching high school. So I was a high school teacher and, um, and it was great, but it was one of those, I, I love the students. I loved my time there. I learned so much, but there was a moment going into work every day. I felt there was something more. I felt there was something that I wasn't tapping into and not because I couldn't, but because I was afraid and, and I was afraid of branching out and, and learning more and going back to school. And at that time, uh, my wife and I, we had three kids under four years old and it was, it was hectic. And I thought, what, how do I do this? How do I go to school? How are we going to have the money for me to do this? And I did it. And I did it and would commute back and forth and having multiple jobs while going to school and being a parent. And then after I got the degree in sports psychology, a master's in performance psychology with an emphasis in the zone, I decided to go for it. Left the, the cushy, and I could say cushy, uh, uh, teaching, high school teaching job, which is really not cushy, <laughs> and uh, to go into entrepreneurship. It was terrifying. It was exciting. It was, it was the best experience and it was, it was the worst experience all at the same time. Entrepreneurship is, is it's like trying to, it's like being an athlete mm -hmm. and, um, and we had our ups and our downs. We had moments where we struggled financially, but I knew, I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I continued to work, continued to learn. And then next thing, you know, the U S army reached out to work with soldiers there and then, um, and then a place called the IMG Academy uh, reached out to work with high-level youth athletes. And then the team, Major League Baseball team, the Boston Red Sox reached out, and then the Cleveland Browns. And so now just had the incredible pleasure to, after all these obstacles and ups and downs, uh, having the, the, the tremendous pleasure and opportunity and privilege to work with some of the best athletes in the world and, um, and help them navigate through their own uh, mindsets and, and through their own uh, uh, psychological constructs to help them show up the best version of themselves when it matters most. I love that. And, and thank you for sharing both the ups, the downs, and kind of saying the feelings that went along with that. Cause it's very easy to say I did this and it didn't really work. And then I tried that, but you actually said the feelings, the things you were experiencing, terrified, fear, things like that. Um, now when you kind of, you got injured as an athlete, um, and then kind of went into, you wanted to do kind of the commentating aspect of things, being obviously younger at this point as well. How did you not let your kind of identity keep getting rolled up in this or was it getting rolled up in this? Like It was. Yes. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Oh, and no, I was so excited it. to answer that question. It was wrapped up in there. And that's, and it wasn't until many years later doing what I'm doing now, understanding the psychological aspect of injury. And because as an athlete, being an athlete is especially a high level athlete. Mm. And I was, I was just in college and I say just college, but a pretty high level college yeah. athlete. It's even more prevalent in elite athletes, the further along you go, because it's like when you go to those family reunions and those holidays, the question that people ask elite mm -hmm. athletes is how's your sport? How's running? Mm -hmm. How's training? How's this? When's your next competition? When's your next race? And that's, it just tends to be the conversation that tends to be the food you eat is impacted by your goals and what you do as an athlete, what you watch, what you listen to, what you wear, how you sleep, all of it is, is huge. And so when you get injured or you retire, you really go through, it's called the, the grieving process. Yeah. Very, very similar to what those who go through when they lose a loved one or when they lose a job, they will go through. And I went through. I didn't, I wasn't aware of it when I experienced it as, as a youngster, but now I deal with that every single day or I don't necessarily deal with it, but I help athletes 
navigate through that where they experience the anger uh, or first the numbness. And then they experience the anger, then the sadness, then the depression, and then the acceptance. And then the crazy thing is they experience it all over again. And yeah. so uh, I I really, with the Army, I, I really emphasize that uh, working with injured athletes or injured soldiers and now doing so with injured elite athletes but uh, my first taste of that was experiencing it firsthand myself in college. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh and and I'm glad you mentioned that about kind of being asked because even the listeners, you know, maybe you're a recreational runner, but I mean, I'm sure if you're talking to loved ones, to friends, to family about how you're doing this race and you know, you're you can't meet up with them on Saturday because you have to do a run and then a few weeks later, you know, uh they're just trying to be nice asking you about it and you happen to have an injury. I mean, I remember so many occasions where people would come up to me and I'd be like, please don't ask me about my running. Please don't ask me about my running. Because <laughs> I knew like, I'd start crying if they did. And uh, of course, what was the first thing they say? So how's your training going? And I'd be like, exactly. Oh. And, and, you know, so it is heartbreaking. And, I'm, and thank you for sharing that in a real way. And one other thing you mentioned there, there's two parts I want to ask about this. You mentioned about going back to school and that being very scary, which it is. And when we were talking before the interview, I mentioned to you, and I think my listeners know this, that someday I want to go back and get a psychology degree. And you mentioned that that's what, you know, you went back and essentially did that. You know, I'm talking about doing it in a few decades, but um, so a bit further along. But um, what gave you the, what I don't know, what gave you the jump to actually go for it and overcome that fear to go back? Because especially with kids, that would be so easy to say, you know what, it's not the right time. And, you know, your wife must be amazing to support you through this because I can imagine that was, you know, a lot on her as well. What gave you the, um, just the, the jump to go do it? I love the word you use is jump because it was a very specific moment mm -hmm. that I can go back and pinpoint with, with perfect accuracy, the uh. moments, the thing that nudged me over. But before we go, go to that, before I explain that exact moment, um, it, it was, I was, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to get into sports psychology. I knew as I was looking at the field, I knew that in order to work with the highest athletes and the best athletes in the world, my competency level needed to match the elite athletes. Uh, great athletes want their coaches to match the level of competency. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you're, if you're just someone who isn't at that level, they're really, you're, Basically, we say in sports psychology, you want your level of competence to match the level of competence with the athletes you're working with. And so I knew if I wanted to get to that goal, if I wanted to achieve that, I needed to, I really needed to be competent. I needed to study. I needed to go through the best schools and really understand. However, my fear was, number one, we'd have money. Number two, didn't have time. Number three, would my wife be able to support this with mm. three kids under four years old in diapers and running around? Would she support it? And my wife was incredibly supportive. And she would always say, go do it, go do it. And I would talk about it. She'd say, go do it. I would talk about it. And I was a big talker. I'd always say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. But I would never do it. Mm -hmm. And one night, I'll never forget this. We're getting ready to go to sleep. The kids are in bed. The lights are off. And I was dreaming out loud. I said, man, I can't wait till one day I'm going to be a mental skills coach or a sports psychologist or, and work with elite athletes. And that's going to be an amazing day. And I was painting this vivid picture for her. So were you asleep or were you? No, no, we were awake. We were, oh. It was right before we went to bed. It was right before we went to bed. So we're just kind of like the, when you talk with your spouse yeah, yeah, right yeah. before you go to sleep and we're just talking and it's pitch black. And I'll never forget to this day what she said. She is the most supportive person in the world. But on this day, she said, you're all talk, Justin. Just a quick ad break to thank one of our sponsors. You heard me talking about Coros before the interview started, and I wanted to tell you a little bit more about some of the features of the Coros Apex I love and why you might like it. Not only is it gorgeous, I would happily wear this watch as a regular watch with a watch face in many different color combinations. You could change it as much as you like, but it also shows you your exercise for the day behind the regular watch face and how many stairs you've climbed. Well, that's what mine shows, but there are so many unlimited combinations with this watch. You could probably change any features you like in the background. 
This watch has something for everyone, and with an intelligent stride algorithm, it uses your range of motion to accurately guess your pace and distance, even when satellite isn't really working that well, like inside on a treadmill or in big cities. I've had this watch for months now, and I wanted to be sure that I loved it before I recommended it to you. I really feel like I owe that to you, and moving to a new watch after 15 years was a big deal for me. If you get yourself a watch now, you can get a bonus watch band with your purchase. And even when you do, I would love to hear what features you like best. There are a lot of things I probably haven't even discovered yet, but I would enjoy hearing what you think. Visit tinamuir.com forward slash Coros. That's T-I-N-A-M-U-I-R forward slash C-O-R-O-S for more information. And I can't wait to hear what you think. No, no, we were awake. We were, it was right before we went to bed. It was right before we went to bed. So we're just kind of like the, when you talk with your spouse right before you go to sleep and we're just talking and it's pitch black and I'll never forget to this day what she said. She is the most supportive person in the world. But on this day, she said, you're all talk, Justin. And I paused for a second and I looked at her. I couldn't see her face. I couldn't hear anything. And I didn't, her tone was very serious. Mm. And I said, and I turned the lights on and I said, what did you just say? <laughs> and she said, you're all talk. So what do you mean I'm all talk? She says, you have been talking about this dream for the past year and a half. And all you do is talk and you haven't done a thing about it. You're all talk. And that was the moment that literally catapulted me. The next morning I was on the phone and I was looking up and I made the decision to apply, took the test GRE and uh, ended up getting in. And um, it, it took a very supportive and honest, significant other wife who believed in me to say, mm-hmm. hey, let's go do this together. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you. And, and you know, it's, it's funny how um, someone close to us can just say something just one thing. I was listening to Brene Brown recently and she was talking about, um, I think she calls it a square. Oh, I can't remember the name of it. Like a, you write down on this one by one inch by one inch square, the people whose opinions matter to you. You have to kind of, whatever they say, you have, like if they tell you, you need to change something or work on something, you do it because they are yeah. honest with you. They know you, they love you, but it's small. So you can only write a few names on there. And uh, she mentioned that kind of exact thing that those people, when they say something, that should go in. And it's kind of exactly what happened there. And I love that. Thank you. I love that. That's great. Yeah. um, I think the book is called Dare to Lead, if anyone wants to take a read or listen. Um, All right. So I want to go through our scenarios here um, for this episode, kind of the the main focus point. And then we can kind of go to something more things about you at the end, but I want to make sure the, this kind of gets covered first. So someone, you know, obviously you were working with different sports, but I want you to kind of imagine someone has a big event coming up in, in three months. So for the runners listening, it's probably going to be a big race in three months. Now they have three months to mentally prepare for this race. Um, they know they've got their training down. They know what they uh, have to do from that aspect. But what are three things, three techniques, three decisions you would say they should make in the three months before a big event if they want to come at it at their potential? I love that. And what I really, I, this is a great question, first and foremost. And I want to refer back. I want to go back and, and, and just kind of highlight what you said in the very beginning. Uh, you did your homework on me because mm-hmm. I am not a cookie cutter mental performance coach. And so the 10 steps, the five things, the first thing I will say right off the bat is it depends. I, yeah, I will say yeah, that right yeah. off the bat. However, however, I will give some universal universal principles to, to your listeners who, if, if you have that race or if they have that race coming up in three months, some basic principles, regardless of your personality, what works for you. Um, I think these will benefit anyone who, who are out there. So, so first of all, I think the, the first thing when it comes out to, to comes up to the race is one of the things, and I'll just categorize it with create a bounce back plan, create If they're, if they're taking notes, I'd say number one, create a bounce back plan. Army soldiers in the U S army. One of the first things they're trained to do is how to fix their weapon when it jams. Another thing they're trained to do is how to carry an injured or or a, a dead body. Two things that are will trigger tremendous amounts of emotion mm. in the heat of the battle. However, they're trained on how to do these things early so that 
if these things happen, and I could even say when they happen, they have this automatic response, non-emotional to be able to fix it, to do it so that they can focus on the task at hand and get back to what matters most. What happens to a lot of amateur athletes and elite athletes as well, but they're a little bit more trained, uh, but amateur athletes in particular is that they have a plan. They have these goals. They have this process. But once they start the race and something doesn't go the way they had anticipated or they had planned, all of a sudden, it creates the amygdala response. Mm-hmm. What I mean by amygdala, it triggers emotions. It's, it, amygdala is a part of their body located deep into the brain um, that, that just triggers where you see red. You start to get flustered, angry, sad, and all of a sudden, your thinking gets clouded, it, your attention narrows, and you, you look back on those red moments or those amygdala moments, and you're like, wow, I should have done this, I should have done that. So the best way to prepare for that or to be ready for that is to prepare for it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So if I were to sit down with one of your one of your listeners, I would say, number one, we'd make a list of all of their potential triggers. What are all the things that can tend to get the best of you when you're running your race? It could be both internal and external. It could be things like being passed by someone who you think you should beat. Mm-hmm. It could be something like when you're running and you feel some discomfort in part of your body that you normally don't feel. And all of a sudden, your thoughts start to run. It could be not feeling good. It could be doubts in your mind when those start to build and, and not paying attention to those. And so we write all these things down. And then we identify and we talk about what do these things do to you? Oh, it makes me sad. It makes me angry. And all we're doing is creating this story. We're, we're bringing it to the forefront, bringing it to light so that we're aware of it. Mm-hmm. So that when it happens in the race and I, when it happens, instead of getting the amygdala trigger, it's activating the prefrontal cortex, mm-hmm. which is more of the cool, calm and collected approach. And so your, your brain is actually looking for those cues, looking for those triggers. But then here comes the most powerful point. After you identify what you struggle with or those potential pitfalls, then you write down how you want to respond. So the research, the, the, the psychological framework or, or construct is called, term is called uh, contingency plans. Basically, um, if-then statements. Mm-hmm. Tons of research is done on this. Yeah. Is uh, So uh, creating a contingency plan. Really, if this happens, then I'm going to do this. If this happens, then I'm going to do this. And you mentally and psychologically prepare for that. So that's what I would say for number one. Uh, before we move on to number two, any any thoughts or questions about that? Yeah, no, thank you for giving me yeah, the space yeah. to do that. Um, well, one, I would say, is this something you should add to as you go along? Is something some makes, let's say, three weeks later, some things come up in your mind? Or is this kind of you do it at the beginning and then kind of let it be? Absolutely, you can add to this list. Yeah. A- absolutely, which will which I would say would lead to number two. Mm-hmm. I would say it kind, of, it kind of blends right into number two. For those who are new to mental skills training, one of the things that the athletes who say after working with me, it's not, I, I would say if you were to poll them and say, hey, working with not just Justin or myself, but Josh Lifrak or any of the other mental skills coaches out there or sports psychologists out there, one of the common things that you'll hear people say is, it helped me create a sense of awareness. Now I'm aware of when these thoughts pop in. I'm I'm aware of when my emotions, I'm aware of the the mental framework or the story I'm telling myself about a certain event. Awareness just is one of the most, you can't change what you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. And so working with a mental skills coach is one way to enhance awareness. So number two, and, and these are coming in no particular order. The second thing that I would say is I would ask your runners or anyone listening, whatever sport, or even if you're not an athlete, to grab a journal. I would grab a journal and every single day I would use this journal to enhance your sense of awareness. And every day, again, this is for someone who's never done it before. There are a lot of different ways to do it, but if you're new to it and never done it, never tried it, I would do it this way. Every single day, either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, I would ask yourself three questions. Question number one, what was the best part about today? And the reason I would ask that question is because we have a negativity bias, Mm -hmm. we tend to see things uh, in a negative light. We tend to see all of our deficiencies and insecurities and compare ourselves to other people. 
particularly athletes because of social media now, especially you think you're fast. You think you're good. And then you look at someone who is younger than you or older than you and faster and better than you, then yeah, that will, that will mess with your mind sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so you identify what were the bright spots in today? This is activating, helping you generate uh, just the positivity response, helping you see training your brain every day to see the bright spots. It can have to do with training. doesn't have to do with training, but we're just training you to see the good. Number two, what is something I learned today? Mm. What is something I learned? That's the second question. And what I love about that question is what this is helping you understand is if you want to be elite, you need to be a learning machine, an absolute learning machine. And not just learn, you always hear this phrase, learn from your failures, learn from your failures. That's excellence. Yes, 100% learn from those tough days. That's We hear that all the time, but people generally don't tend to literally stop and pause and and do that. But what also we tend to neglect, we tend to neglect to learn from our successes. When we have an amazing day, an amazing day of training, an amazing race, an amazing event, an amazing date with our loved one, an amazing day with our children, we don't stop and pause and say, what did I do or not do today that could have contributed to that? A lot of times we'll just brush successes under under the rug and just kind of carry on as opposed to pausing and and trying to reverse engineer success and say huh let me try to wow i had it i woke up at this time or wow i i i I did some meditation before or whatever it may be and the last one is what am i going to do better tomorrow meaning then the the reason that the reasoning behind that is to help you put you in the driver's seat no matter how bad the day was no matter how bad the training is The question is now, what are you going to do tomorrow about it? What are you going to do next to help keep you in the driver's seat, realizing that you are in control as opposed to allowing life and circumstances and the events to control you? And so that's what I would say. And and here's here's the best part. I firmly believe that the weakest pen is stronger than the strongest memory. And the best book that you are going to read is the one you write yourself. And so when you do go through a tough time, when you're struggling, when you're, when you're having a bad day, to go back and look and think, wow, there was a week I had to go back and say, wow, look at my mindset during this week. Look at these things I overcame this week. And to be able to catch yourself winning there. Because a lot of times we just forget. We, we forget when oh, things get bad. Yeah, so I'll pause after two and any thoughts or questions? Oh, no, that is absolutely amazing. I'm a huge fan of journaling and um, I am so, so, so happy to hear you say that. And even going back to reflecting back on it, I still have my journals. I I use use it uh, more when when I have had injuries in the past. That's when I found it really powerful. But reading back through the words that I wrote to myself and the way that I wrote, I often found that mine would start very much like, okay, Tina... I know you've been dealt a rough hand. This is tough right now. You, you can do this. And then by the end, it would be like, I am going to get back and I'm going to run amazing in this race and I'm going to qualify for this. I'm going to run this time. I'm going to do this and I'm going to prove it. And it was very like, as if you've kind of given yourself a pep talk and I just found it so powerful. So I think I just wanted to mention that for anyone who is injured right now, you can also use it that way. But I love the way you just said using it as you're going towards a race. That is just fantastic. Thank you so much. I, and I love what you just said. I mean, it's, it's, it's so true. One of the things I do, another subset or even, not even subset, a set of athletes I work with are elite CrossFit athletes. Mm-hmm. Some of the best CrossFit athletes in the world. And one of the things that I have them do before a big competition, whether it be the open or the regionals, which we used to have reach or, or, or the actual, the actual CrossFit games or any events, I have them write a letter to themselves. A letter to them by them saying that, hey, you're about to go into this event. Nobody knows the inner chambers of your heart more than you. I want you, whether it be male or female, to write a letter to the future you. Now that you're feeling good, you're, you're, you're distant, you're away from the events, you're not in the heat of the moment. What, do you, what advice do you think you need to hear from yourself? They're amazing. Yeah. These, and they'll write them in their journals. And it, it's it sounds exactly what you just said. And they say, Hey, this is what you're going to get up, go up against. And someone will say, Hey, you just remember why you're doing this. Hey, remember, it's not about kind of giving themselves reminders. And right before the event, the night before I will say, okay, remember that letter you wrote to yourself? 
go back and read it before you go to bed tonight. Mm-hmm. And that one little thing has been amazing. As they're going through the event, some of these men and women will be like, I was thinking about my words to myself. I was thinking about my reminders to myself. And because a lot of times in the heat of the moment, we just forget. Yeah. We forget. We get we get so caught up in the moment that we forget the plan or forget our purpose or forget our triggers or forget our angers. And I'm um, saying a lot of things that we probably haven't explained yet, but uh, but these are things that we go over with all these athletes that 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 um that they know about and we want to remind them of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. So was that number three there? That was number two. That was That's, number two. Okay. So number one cool. was have a balance back plan. Number two was a journal every okay. single day. And okay. then Emphasis on every day because the more you do it, yeah. the more awareness that you're going to start developing. Yeah. You're strengthening that awareness, not muscle. And number three, it's a very popular one. However, it is so important. I would begin a mindfulness meditation practice immediately. So hard to do. I struggle with this. So you, this is so hard to fit it in, as ridiculous as that sounds. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That is always the number one issue or concern, mm-hmm. particularly with the elite athletes. And what I, what I love about mindfulness and the research behind it is, is first of all, just to, to I want to peel back on just the purpose of mindfulness training, the purpose of, of doing it. it, it it's a focus technique. It, it's helping you training yourself to put your mind where you want, when you want. And so all mindfulness training is, and, and, and I'm going to go back to just to help people who, who are struggling to kind of fit it into their day. So all it is, is finding an anchor. It could be a sound. It could be your breath. It could be a a visual point. It could be a word in your mind and focusing on it. And once your mind starts to go away, just bring your attention right back to it. And it's nothing more and it's nothing less than that. Thank you to Body Health for sponsoring these bonus episodes of the Running For Real podcast. You've heard me talk about Body Health Perfect Amino a lot over the years. And I'm sure you've noticed that I wore the Body Health logo on my chest in the Boston Marathon because they've supported me for so many years and they've been with me through thick and thin. I wanted to make sure everyone knew that they were behind me and I appreciated them. Maybe you've heard me talking about it, but felt a little bit confused as to what it was. They created a page to answer your questions about that are just for running for real fans. And you can visit it by go to tinamuir.com forward slash aminos that's t-i-n-a-m-u-i-r.com forward slash a-m-i-n-o-s perfect amino helps your body recover from tough training something you are going to need as you work through these mental tips and tricks learned in these episodes as you have your big races coming as many of the experts mentioned getting your fueling and recovery right is absolutely critical Yes, even from a mental perspective. And Body Health Perfect Amino contains the eight essential amino acids the body needs to support and maintain its muscular, skeletal, enzymatic, and hormonal systems. The essential amino acids in Perfect Amino are in the exact proportions needed for maximum utilization by the body, and nothing else is utilized as well to make protein. You can get 10% off anything on the Body Health website, but particularly Perfect Amino, my favorite product, using code TINAMUA10, or you can go to tinamuir.com forward slash aminos. That's T-I-N-A-M-U-I-R.com forward slash A-M-I-N-O-S. I would begin a mindfulness meditation practice immediately. So hard to do. I struggle with this. So you, this is so hard to fit it in as ridiculous as that sounds. You hit the nail on the head. That is always the number one issue or concern, Mm -hmm. particularly with elite athletes. And what I, what I love about mindfulness and the research behind it is, is first of all, just to, to, I want to peel back on just the purpose of mindfulness training, the purpose of, of doing it. it's a focus technique. It's helping you training yourself to put your mind where you want, when you want. And so all mindfulness training is, and and, and I'm going to go back to just to help people who who are struggling to kind of fit it into their day. So all it is, is finding an anchor. It could be a sound. It could be your breath. It could be a, a visual point. It could be a word in your mind and focusing on it. And once your mind starts to go away, just bring your attention right back to it. And it's nothing more and it's nothing less than that, which is uh, which which is so great about it. Now, here's the thing: the uh, the first thing athletes will tell me is 
that's too 10 minutes is too long. Uh, I, I, I get bored doing it. it. It's too difficult. And so what you want to do if you struggle with that is attach it to something you already do. So I have athletes now who they understand the benefits of my mindfulness. They know it's really important, but they struggle to find it. So they attached it. They do mindfulness brushing their teeth. Mm. They know they're going to brush their teeth every day. And so all it is, they put their mind with this brush on their teeth and that's it. Their mindfulness right there. Some athletes mindful, uh, mindfully eat their breakfast. Some mindfully drive. It could be for a minute. It could be for 10 minutes. It could be for three minutes. But the most important part is just being consistent and doing it as much. Ideally, it's every day. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that that's some of the things to help overcome some of those simple, those, those little um, obstacles, yeah. and, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. No, that's great advice. Thank you. And yeah, I uh, I think that's a great way of doing it, making sure that it's it's part of a habit and then you, yeah, you can't really avoid it or, or make that excuse of I don't have time because you can fit it in with something else. And I guess that's the magic of it that it's um, it can be done while multitasking technically because you're, you know, doing something with your time at the same time. All right. So thank you for those. Those were absolutely amazing pieces of advice and things that people can use and go take on and try yourselves. So let's talk the next step. So it's uh, maybe a few weeks out from the big event. Um, People are starting to worry about not feeling like they're going to be ready. It's seeming like it's too big of a task, too much to ask. Um, Am I even going to make it, let alone be able to perform? I, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to think this is too much. What would you say to them then? completely normal. (laughs) I would say the first thing that I want to say to that person is you are completely normal. The best in the world at any level have the exact same thoughts you just described. Even the all-stars, even the elite of the elite, they wonder if they're going to get found out. They wonder if if all their hard work's gonna going to lead to good results. They're gonna they wonder if, if they have what it takes, they wonder if they're going to fail, if they lose, they envision themselves losing and they, they get worked up. It's hard to sleep. It's hard to eat. They feel a pit in their stomach, everyone. And so that's the first thing, not to minimize what you're experiencing or going through, but to normalize it. And so the first thing that I will say is number one, take a deep breath and realize it's completely normal and you are absolutely okay. The next thing what I want to do is, is is to help you understand, I want to give you three letters. And so F, well, we're going to start with two basic uh, uh, streams of thought, two basic um, algorithms to performance mindset. So here, here's the non-ideal one. So the first one is F-A-I. F stands for feelings, A stands for actions, I stands for identity. So basically, this is when people are being led by their feelings. So they feel stressed, and then they'll act stressed, and then that'll lead to them be their, their identity whenever that their identity. So they will be triggered to be stressed or sad mm-hmm. or whatever in that moment, uh, listening, taking counsel from their fear. So if I feel if I feel sad, I'm going to act sad, and I'm going to be sad anytime this experience happens. I'm, I feel really nervous, and then oh man, I'm going to act really nervous, and oh no, don't mess up. Oh no, you got to calm down, and then this is going to trigger this. What I would say for this, for what the elite athletes do is they, they change the algorithm. They start with the I and then the actions and then the feelings. Mm. So what I would say to this person three weeks away and you're feeling really nervous. Yes. First of all, it's, it's totally normal. But then what I would say is how do you want to show up for that race? How do you want to, how do you want to be that day? And literally to write it down in that journal we were talking about, this is how I want to be. This is my identity. I am. I am, it could be, I am calm or I am powerful. I love running. I love what I'm doing. I'm excited. This is, this is wonderful. And then act according to what you write down your identity Mm. and then let the feelings follow. So that's, that's number one. I would say, identify who, what kind of person do you want to show up as that day? So, So that's number one. And really be very specific on that because the more vague you are, the, the phrase is where the mind goes, the body flows. Yeah. And so the more the brain loves targets. So the more vivid, the more detailed, the more specific you can get, the better it is for your mind, your body, and your feelings will eventually follow. Number two, this is what I would say. When a nerve start to creep in, what happens is we look at our physiological response. 
our stomach starts to hurt, our arms and our hands are tingling, or they might feel heavy, our mind's going every which way. These are physiological responses to stress. But what they're also, it's basically your body telling you, hey, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. This is important to us. We've trained for, this is good. The reason your stomach feels weird is because all the blood that's used, that's, is getting rushed to all of your limbs to get ready for the fight or flights. Your body's trying to help eliminate any waste. That's why a lot of people have to go to the bathroom. Your body's like, okay, let me get rid of, get, let me get rid of any of this waste that's in your, in your stomach right now for you. The reason we sweat, our palms get sweaty is because our body's, okay, let me cool you down before this big race to help mm -hmm. you out. It's your body saying, let's go. So what I would say is once you notice your mind and your body feeling this way is to smile at it and say, okay, this is my body. It, it, it is my body telling me that I'm ready, that this is important. So number two, I would say is to embrace those feelings. And then number three, so number three, what I would say is instead of telling yourself to stay calm and to be calm, you want to tell yourself that you're excited. Mm -hmm. I'm excited because what happens if you try to tell yourself, okay, be calm, calm down. Okay. Let me take these deep breaths. Let me calm down. Then all of a sudden what's going to happen is you're going to be nervous because you're nervous yeah. as opposed to saying, oh, I'm excited. It's easier to go from a high arousal state to being excited as opposed to going up being a high arousal state and trying to calm yourself down. Like trying to sleep when you can't sleep. Exactly. Your body's like, no, I don't, don't tell me to calm down. I'm excited. So it all comes down to the framing around the events mm -hmm. and the story you're telling yourself about your nerves, about your feelings, about your thoughts, about how your body feels as you are able to tell a, a better story, a performance story around these things and, and use these feelings and these thoughts to help you rather than hurt you, you're going to see it's going to enhance performance. That's so good. So good. Solid goal. Thank you again. And I'm just going to add a few more things to this. What if someone is then, you know, not feeling good? I feel really sluggish. Or, and that's usually because, you know, you've tapered down, the training's come down. So I feel really sluggish or, oh, I've got this, you know, little pain in my, in my leg and I don't know what it is. What if it stops me? Like, what about, you know, little things going wrong yes. or yes. coming up? Right. And, and what, I, what I would say for that one is the brain is so amazing. The mind is so amazing. It wants to experience homeostasis. It wants to protect you. And so even when you want to take, when you want to do something difficult to go outside your comfort zone, your brain is going to say, uh, 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 I don't know if you can do that. Or I don't know if your body is ready for that. That's why I love working with elite athletes mm. is because if you want to do something great, that is going to be part of the journey. Part of things you are going to have to overcome are your own thoughts, those own feelings, those own, those little nagging thoughts are, do you have what it takes? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to push the envelope? Can you push it a little bit more? You've got to be willing to endure, some people call it the pain cave, not only physically, but even mentally. Yeah. And to say, you know, and, and to tell your mind, nope, I'm ready for this. That's okay. I feel that pain. There it is, but I can still do it. There's a, a gentleman uh, named Cus D'Amato, and he was a world-famous boxing trainer. Mm -hmm. And he would tell his boxers that in the heat of the moment, it doesn't matter how you feel. It only matters what you do mm. as an athlete. As an athlete, it doesn't matter how you feel. It only matters what you do. You're only judged by what you do, not how you feel. And that might sound very insensitive. Like, wait a minute, I, my feelings do matter. <laughs> yes, your feelings do matter. You, you are valued as a person, as a man or as a woman, as a husband or as a wife. However, as an athlete, your competitors don't care how you feel. The, 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 the watch doesn't care how you feel. The, the, the race doesn't care how you feel. All that matters is what you do. And, and that's it. And going along with that, a lot of times confidence, and, and this is very controversial. People don't like when I say this, but it's really true. So I explain it like this. How many times... Have you showed up for an event, a race, feeling incredibly confident and feeling your body felt amazing, but when the event or the race was over, you really didn't do as well as you thought you were going to do? Uh -huh. Now, conversely, how many times did you show up to a race or an event and maybe you didn't have confidence? You, you worried, you doubted, maybe your body didn't feel great 
And you did way better than you thought you were going to do. Yeah. That just shows how fickle confidence is. Just because you feel confident that or, or not feel confident, that's not the barometer or an indicator of exactly how you're going to do. So to notice them, to look at them and say, okay, that's how I feel. It's all right. Let me focus on the task at hand. And so very common. It happens to everybody, but uh, but it's one of those things. There's no real technique necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's necessary. It's just being aware of it yep. and then running through it. That's great. Thank you. And then with what you just mentioned there about, you know, feeling bad and, and doing well or feeling good and doing bad, how much of that do you think is when you feel good, you kind of get caught up in thinking it's going to feel easy and then it doesn't. It's always going to be hard. You're always going to reach a hard part, but you haven't you haven't got the, I don't know, the right mindset to be able to kind of turn it around because you just kind of got it in your head that everything's going to go smooth. Do you think that's the case? I can tell I'm talking to an elite athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell from your question. <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right. Like you, you hit the nail on the head. And that's one thing elite athletes like yourself, they understand is a lot of amateur athletes are thinking because I train so hard it should be easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I I should run this this time. I my body should be in shape, it, or whatever it may be. You in, insert whatever the variable is. But what elite athletes understand, highest level athletes understand, is that it's going to be incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. It is. Even if the weather is perfect and my body feels great, it's going to be incredibly hard. Yeah. And to prime your mind for that, to know that, and to know this. It's supposed to be hard. And, and the phrase that I love to talk about, a principle is, is difficult is not bad. Difficult is not impossible. Difficult is just difficult. And you can do difficult things. Mm, I love that. That is a great quote. Cool. Thank you. All right. So we're closing in on closer to the time of the race now. So it's a few hours to go, maybe the hour to go. Um, you're very nervous, but you've already told us you to reframe that to excited. Um, but now feeling a lot of pressure, I don't want to have wasted all the time I spent doing this. I don't want, you know, my family's given up a lot and I don't want to waste it for them and mess up because of it. Um, there's, you know, I just feel like I have to do this or I'm insert insecurity here essentially, or I'm not going to be enough. I'm not going to be, uh, everyone's going to laugh at me. People are going to know I'm slow, whatever it may be. What would you say there? Two things. One thing with two a two prong approach, I would say, in a, a hour right before the race, or even during the race, coming up coming up to the race is, what's your anchor? That's when the storm is really going to hit. The closer you come to the go, the closer you come to the start of the race, that's when the anxiety is going to hit. That's when the pressure is going to hit. And once you start running, that's when it's like, ah, you like, mm. it's like, yes, you're relieved. It's like, good. It's, but it's leading up to that moment when you feel it the most. That is where you need an anchor. When you have the storm, just like a boat. So I always give this analogy of a boat. And when you, a bo- the reason you have an anchor for boats is it keeps you grounded. It keeps you stable in the midst of the sea that is thrown about by the waves and the wind. That anchor is going to keep you there. And the bigger the boat, the bigger the anchor. Mm-hmm. The deeper you need to have that anchor be. And so what an anchor could be, it could be two things. It could be, it could be a thought of your quote unquote happy place. I know athletes who literally go back and they envision something that just makes them happy. They just focus on joy, something, some focus on their family. Some people focus on their, their, their why some people uh, will listen to music or watch videos. They'll, They'll give their brain something to chew on. And so what I would do what is going to be anchor? What is going to be the thing to keep your mind and your body still? You're not going to stop the storm. You're, you're not, but it's going to be kind of an umbrella in the storm that will keep you from getting soaking wet from your emotions. Yeah, it's going to get wet. Yeah, the winds are going to go. They're going to blow, but you're going to have your anchor. One of the best anchors, now part two of that is a routine. You need a pre-performance routine, something to start to activate your brain, to let your mind and your body know I'm in control because there's going to be a lot of things you can't control. And honestly, you'll hear people say, control your thoughts, control your thoughts. You and I know that sometimes that is 
impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might say, I'm trying to control my thoughts. Or people say, hey, just think positive. Hey, just believe in yourself. Yeah, well, I can't right now. Yeah. I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could tell myself, oh, you're going to do great. But these these thoughts are just enveloping me right now. They're mm-hmm. overcoming me right now. And so a routine to help you trigger to your mind, whether, and, and you would know better than I would, what a routine would look like. And so we'd say, okay, hour before the race, I'm going to do this. 45 minutes before the race, I'm going to do this. All the way up to, right up to the point to where it's lift off. To activate to your brain, to know, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is where I need to be to help tell your mind, hey, we're in control. Yep. We're working our process. We have our routine and we're focusing on the process and the things that we can control. Absolutely. That's what I would say to do. No, that is great advice and definitely the right thing to do. And and my listeners have heard me talk about getting your routine down a lot. And especially even going back to the the night before, the things you eat, the time you know you go to bed, uh, the coffee you have in the morning, all those little things will will add up. So thank you for covering that. Right. So now someone is in the race. They're in a bit of a hard patch, not feeling good and feel have a long way to go thinking about how much is left, uh, thinking about dropping out. Mind is just spinning out of control. I can't do this. Like you said about, you know, telling yourself, yes, you can do this and saying, but I can't, I can't, I, I, I'm done. I'm done. What would you say there? I would say this is where your, if then contingency planning comes in, okay. this is basically say, Hey, we prepared for this. I knew I was going to encounter this. So I would say deploy whatever you had planned ahead of time. And that's why it's so important to have identified ahead of time what it's going to be. And let's say, let's say just you still don't know, you're just still floundering. This is where you need to think on purpose with purpose. This is where you need to have some thoughts so that your mind can be incredibly clean so you can have a clean mind to be able to anchor because the brain is amazing. Here, here's an example. I'll, I'll give you a little example. Let's say you have a 10-ounce cup and I pour a gallon of water into that 10-ounce cup. Now, I'll ask your audience, and obviously we can't hear them answer, but I would ask your audience, okay, if I pour a gallon of water into a 10-ounce cup, how much water is going to be in the cup? And your audience, because they're a sharp audience, is going to say 10 ounces. And, uh, and, and the next question is, why only 10 ounces? And then they're going to say, well, because uh, that's all it fits. And then I'm going to ask, where's the rest of the water? They're going to say it's all over the table. That glass represents your mind. Limited capacity. There's only so much that can fit in there. So you give power to what you focus on. And whatever you fill that mind with in that moment, that's going to impact your emotions and ultimately impact performance. Mm -hmm. And so what I would tell your runners in the heat of the moment, when things are going, when you're struggling, have a go-to thought. This powerful thought that will trigger your emotions. It might be your why. For some of you, it might be your family. For some of you, it might be the, the thought of just one foot in front of the other. Uh, there's a, a, a runner, an ultra marathoner named David Goggins. Mm-hmm. And he has something called, he calls it the cookie jar. The cookie jar, basically, when he wants to quit and all those thoughts start coming into his mind, he goes back and he remembers all of the hardships he's overcome in his life. And he remembers, wow, I've overcome that hard thing before. I'm strong enough to do this. Mm -hmm. I've overcome that hard training before. I remember experiencing something like this as an, as an athlete, women who have given birth, I've given birth to children. I could definitely do this. Mm -hmm. You know what? And I'm, and I'm obviously, I'm not speaking for myself because I don't know what that's like, but having a plan for that to fill your mind with a thought or a mantra or a memory or a vision or a phrase so that you can give yourself the chance to focus and take one step in front of the other. Mm-hmm. That's so good and so powerful. And to, to anyone listening, you can go further than that. I mean, one, that's one of the great things about running. You can have family and friends say that exact thing to you. Maybe have them stand at a, you know, at a point that is three, two thirds, three quarters of the, of the way through where you know you're going to be feeling a bit rough. Have them yell it out. I specifically remember doing a 10K on the track once and I'd been injured and um, I had... I think I'd been running four weeks and I had one shot to qualify for the national championships. And I, I, I knew pool running was going to be my, my thing because that's what I'd been doing. I'd been in the pool for two months straight and I'd had one month of from zero to getting back to a little bit. 
And so I, you know, would say to myself pretty much what you said. I did not go through all those hours staring at a damn wall in the pool to give up now. So, yeah, perfect. <laughs> I love it. The phrase that what you did is, is, and I would say, stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. And oh, I love what good. you did. That's what you did. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So two different scenarios after the race. Someone who has had an amazing time. Uh, they have accomplished their goals, but now feeling a little bit lost, not sure where to go, um, feeling a bit kind of sad because it's kind of over and not sure what's next. What would you say to them? Yes. Uh, once again, and I don't mean to... to it depends beating a, de a dead <laughs> horse. Uh, the other one is it's normal. Uh -huh. uh, we see that with athletes from sport teams, sports athletes, individual athletes, after coming down from a championship or a successful race or an event, you're going to feel a little, I don't want to say a loss, but kind of like, ugh, like, like, wow, I, I shouldn't be feeling like this. Why am I, why am I not as excited or, or motivated or, or almost questioning? Like, what do I do now? Almost lost, almost lost. And the reason behind that is you are so routine oriented leading up to the race. You were so regimented, what you ate, what you did, and, and, and you had a process and you got into this, this set of habits and preparing for that moment. And then once the moment is over, your brain is like, okay, so now what do we what's do? Next? Yeah. And exactly. It's like, wait, wait, so what's next? And be in that space, that almost dead space, we can, we can call it your brain is going to go every which way, searching, searching, craving a routine, craving those habits, craving, almost saying, wow, I want to go back to those things. And so I would say, this is, and this is after a good race, by the way, we yeah. even got to that after a poor one. So that is completely normal. So what I would say is, is number one, obviously, is to realize that is normal. And then number two is to know that those feelings, those thoughts are going to subside. It is part of the process, but you will start to get on track. And what I would say is to do an AAR, an after action review, taking a look at your training, taking a look at your race and really sitting down and, and breaking it down. How did it go? How was your training? Are there any changes you'd make? Is there anything you would have done better? Um, is there any, any hiccups that along the way, I'm just making these questions up as we go during the race, what could, what went well, what, and be truly honest with yourself. And if you have a coach or someone who you trust going along with what you said, Tina, that those people in that one inch box, if they can give you some feedback as well, that's even better. Mm -hmm. And uh, because sometimes we have these blind spots that we don't see. Um, how did my training affect the family? And, and what, what about this? Can we make any change? Whatever it may be. And again, I think you in particular, um, better than most, including myself, could probably speak to that. Uh, better than I can, but um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Do, do any of these principles resonate? Because I know. No, that I think that definitely. Yeah, I think those definitely can apply, and people can can like you said, make them your own. Um, but I think the reflecting back, even if it went well, yeah, definitely a a good step for people to use, and and I would totally agree with you. Now let's look at the other way. What if uh, they feel like they mentally gave up? They're feeling depressed. Everyone on social media, as we've talked about is sharing how amazing things went um, and you feel like you failed. What now? Yes, this is, this is what you, you put yourself out there. When you, when you put an extremely high goal, you leave yourself open to heartbreak. You leave yourself open to devastation. When you really have a high goal and you work extremely hard, you leave yourself vulnerable to falling flat on your face. And in this day and age, in front of, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. And that's scary. And a lot of times you wonder, oh, worst case scenario is I do this. And honestly, in sports, sometimes worst case scenario happens. And that's devastating and it's crushing and it's sad. And people do go into extreme anger and depression and sadness. And just like the grieving process, it's going to work itself through. So what I would say, number one, is you're going to have all types of feelings. Don't let somebody come up to you or, or slide into your direct messages or come to you on social media and say, hey, be positive. Hey, keep your chin up. Be happy. You, you're going to be happy when you want to be happy. You're going it's, it's go, to you're going to pass through these emotions. If you're going to be sad, be sad. If you're going to be angry, be angry. Now, I don't say that to prolong it. I say this is a healthy 
part of being an athlete. This is, it's, this is what heartbreak feels like. You're going to shed tears. You're going to cry. Food is going to lose its taste. You're going to wonder if you can do another race. If, if you're, you're going to question yourself if you've got what it takes to go out and train for it all over again and say, do I really want to put my body and my mind and my heart and my family through this again? You are going to have all of those thoughts, which are completely normal. And I would say embrace every single one of those feelings. Embracing them because as you embrace them, you allow them to flow through you. That is part of the grieving and, and, and that's part of the process. Shed those tears. Now, what I would say as you go through those dark times, those difficult times, two things you need to do. Number one, you've got to stay close to your go-to people. These are those people who love you no matter what. These are those people who they don't care if you come in first or last. They don't care if you are if you run or are your best in the world or if you're if you never do it again, they love you no matter what. And now what's going to happen is they're going to try to help you and you're going to want to push them away sometimes. You know, you're going to say things and you're going to put, because you love them so much, and you're so close to them. You're going to be like, oh, no, don't say that. And, but stay close to them. Number two, reconnect to your go-to habits, whether it be those habits that make you happy. If it's, if it's watching movies, going for walks, uh, going for a run, go or sewing, doing puzzles, but whatever it may be, doing your go-to habits because this is what people who are going through tough times are susceptible to. They're susceptible to trying to mask their emotions or or suppress their emotions through unhealthy habits, mm-hmm. overeating, oversleeping, alcohol, and then other stuff. Uh, you fill in the blank, whatever it may be. And to protect yourself and realize, okay, and not because they're bad or, 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 or lack uh, uh, self-control, it's because they hate this feeling, this emptiness, and because yeah. they want to run from it, they just want some kind of solace, some kind of, of, of pacification, a pacifying uh, factor in, defined in food or alcohol or sleep or eating, to, to come, but then you end up regretting it afterwards and you create bad habits and so that's what I would say. And then when the time comes, the clouds are going to clear, the sun's going to rise. And if you truly, truly love it, if you truly love it, you're naturally going to be inclined to go and do it again. Amazing. So good. Thank you. Every single answer you've given to my questions has just been like off the charts with just good, solid advice. Thank you so much, Justin. All right. I've got four more questions for you, starting with one piece of advice you would like to give my listeners for life. One question uh, for life is to do what you do on purpose with purpose. Mm. I think that is, that is one of the most important principles to live by. Think on purpose, train on purpose, eat on purpose, uh, be with your family on purpose, uh, just doing what you do on purpose with purpose. And as you do that, you'll be amazed on what you can do and how well you can do it. Love it. Thank you. That's amazing. All right. One person to follow on social media and why, and you're not allowed to say Josh, just <laughs> to make him, uh, make him feel good. <laughs> honestly, uh, honestly, someone who I am inspired by and I love, um, and I haven't read her book, but I think you, you just mentioned her. Brene Brown mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. She is amazing and articulate. And another person who I would say to follow is a woman named Mel Robbins. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had Mel, Mel Robbins. Robbins yeah. is another one who is outstanding, very uh, a, 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 an amazing thinker. And uh, just really, anytime I listen to her speak or see her post, I'm like, wow, that's very insightful. So those are two who I would say to follow. Thank you. That is great. All right. How do you want to be remembered on this podcast? I want to be remembered for someone who, someone who realizes that we all struggle. Mm-hmm. We all struggle. And if you struggle, welcome to the club. Yeah, that, that so even good. I want to be remembered as a person who, who gave everyone listening permission to have bad days, permission to realize that you're going to have some downs. And everyone does. And you're going to think negatively about yourself. And everyone does, including the best in the world. And you're going to have the the imposter syndrome wondering, who am I to do this? Who am I to achieve this goal? And that happens to everybody. Mm -hmm. So lift up your head 
and be courageous and keep taking steps into the dark. That's what I want to be remembered. So good. So good. All right. And finally, what do you tell yourself before you're giving a presentation, a motivational speech, before you're putting yourself in a high pressure situation? Go. Go. <laughs> Sim- I think there's a lot. I, 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 I go. And I would say, let's go. To add, let's go. Almost this excitement. What let's yeah. go represents is excitement. It's a, it's a joy. It's a pleasure. I'm terrified. I'm nervous. I, every presentation, I've been doing this for years, whether I'm speaking in front of a team of, of 25 or an audience of 5,000, I have those nerves, those insecurities, and, and, and I just, let's go. And, uh, and, 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 and that also represents trust your training and trust mm-hmm. your, your studying and, uh, and, and let it fly. Thank you. That's so good, Justin. All right. So you have a podcast called Increase Your Impact. Maybe tell us yeah. a bit about that, what it is and where else people can find you. Yeah. Increase Your Impact is a podcast for people who hate podcasts. That's what an athlete told me once. He's <laughs> like, I don't like listening to podcasts. So the reason I say that is it's every weekday, every weekday. And it's every episode is only three to five minutes long. Yep. That's it. Three to five minutes long. And it's just a tip for the day a strategy, a principle. So listen to your favorite podcast, including this one. And then and just, but this one right here, the one I, it's for athletes, really. Um, as you're on your way to the gym or on your way to the run or the workout or whatever, and parent, moms and dads listen to it, dropping to their, with their kids, dropping out their kids off for school, short, quick, tangible, actionable, and uh, be found anywhere you can find that um, podcast. And another easy way to find me is just on Twitter or on Instagram at, Justin Sua. Very easy. Yep. Which is S-U-A. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny you say that about dropping off kids because I'm envisioning these kids like jumping out the car like, I'm ready, like kind of like <laughs> ready, like taking on the advice themselves as they go about their day. That would be so funny to see. Um, but Justin, seriously, the most amazing advice. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your knowledge, just your kindness, your heart, everything. It just absolutely fantastic i appreciate you so much and i have a feeling you're gonna have quite a few new people runners flooding your your feeds very soon because just so inspiring thank you so much thank you so much tina so honored and and grateful to be to have have chatted with you for the last uh, hour or so my friends if you have a minute and you could leave a review on your favorite podcast player apple Podcasts, aka itunes stitcher overcast pocket class spotify or whatever else podcast player you use to listen to this podcast. Or if you would subscribe to this podcast, you will help me get out in front of new runners to make our tribe even bigger and even better. It might not seem like you as one person can make a difference, but really it helps a lot. And it shows me you appreciate the hard work I put in for those. Thank you so much. Well, what did you think? He was right on with what we needed to hear. I hope you were taking notes for that one. We needed it. If you didn't, remember, I can email you show notes every Friday. Just send me an email, tina at tinamuir.com, and I'll make sure I do that for you every week. You can find links to everything we talked about today in the show notes at tinamuir.com forward slash episode 121. Tomorrow is day five and I have another amazing performance coach who recently worked alongside Kobe Bryant for an ESPN special. Ben is one of the most in-demand speakers around and he has a lot to offer us. If you've been enjoying these episodes and wouldn't mind giving me a review, I'd really appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much, my friends. I will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Running For Real podcast. Be sure to check out tinamuir.com for show notes and even more helpful running information.